0: Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Welcome back to the people that have been away on holidays. We missed you. So good to have everyone back in the house. That's what family's all about, isn't it? Getting together. It's really special. I'm, I'm still just so happy that we can gather I still haven't got over, you know, the novelty of being able to be together again. So good. So good. Yeah. I know that we are the church wherever we are, but, you know, God says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And when when we gather together, that he's with us. He's right here. For some reason, the King James Version is in my head. In our our midst. (laughs) He's in our midst. (laughs) It's a hard word to say, isn't it? (sighs) Today I'm going to talk about the lion and the bear. I'm going to talk about the lion and the bear. It's not out of Revelation, don't stress. (laughs) I have to not yell this service because last service I hurt my voice. Because I didn't use my diaphragm. (laughs) But you guys, most of you know the story of David and Goliath. Yeah. You find it in 1 Samuel 17. So I'm just going to brush over it quickly because I know most of us are really familiar with it. We're going to look at it a bit differently today. So Jesse, you know that David was a shepherd. Jesse sent him out into the battlefield to check on his brothers because his brothers were part of the army. And David was not yet part of the army because he was still looking after his father's sheep. So Jesse said, David, go out, check on your brothers, take them some cheese, take them some bread, see how they're going in the battle, come back and tell me how it's all how it's all happening. And so um, David went out. He arrived just as the army were getting into their battle positions. So they were just lining up in front of the Philistine army. Um and Goliath went, came out and did his usual rant. You, you are ants. I'm going to break your legs off. Look how small you are. Look how big I am. Urgh! And uh, so the Israelite army ran and hid when Goliath did that. And David, who was, you know, not a warrior but a shepherd, piped up and said, I think I can take him on. I think I can take him out. And as we know, he did, because he knew how to use his weapon. He took one stone, he hit Goliath right between the eyes, and he was gone. It was that easy. So Saul said to David, you know, you're a boy. You're not a man. This is a man's job. But David knew how to how to use what God had given him. So if we pick it up in 1 Samuel 2, 1743, David said to Saul, when Saul said, You know, I don't know if you're ready for this. Honestly, look at you. You're a shepherd boy. I don't know. I don't know. I love your enthusiasm, but this is a man's job. This is a soldier's job. You're a shepherd. This is what David said to Saul Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the Lord." And the Lord, everyone say the Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. The Lord is our deliverer. That's where our strength comes from, isn't it? As we know, David went on to become a great warrior and God gave him great success as one of Saul's officers in the army. To the point that Saul became very jealous of David and then pursued him and tried to kill him. But despite that, he eventually became king. He continued to win many battles and increase in power and territory. David knew he could defeat Goliath because he'd taken on the lion and he'd taken on the bear. So God had trained him in his youth to fight the battles that he would have to face as a man, or as a young man, and instead of running from the battles that he came across, instead of running from the lion, running from the bear, he actually chased after the lion and the bear, grabbed him by the hair, beat him over the head, and took what was his back, took his lamb back. He did that in his youth. And Stephen often makes the statement, if you don't deal with something while you're young, it only gets worse as you get older. See, there's battles that we all need to fight in our youth. We need to know where our strength comes from in our youth. We need to know who our God is in our youth. We need to know what what he and you, what he and I are capable of together. We need to know that God is fighting for us, he's fighting with us. We need to know that we can kill the lion and the bear so that when we face Goliath, we're not intimidated. We're like, I've got this. God has trained my hands for battle. I know what to do in this situation. In our youth, we all have battles to fight that, that teach us that God will deliver us. And if we don't face up to those battles, when we face Goliath, we'll be freaked out. And I want you to know that you're not facing a battle because God doesn't love you. You're facing a battle because God does love you and he's training your hands for battle. And he's training your arms for war. And you're not facing any battles because you're a bad person And you're not facing a battle because you're weak or because you've done anything wrong. We all face battles. We all have struggles. It's how we grow up. It's how we build up our spiritual muscles. It's how God trains us to fight the fights that are yet to come. It means that you're in training. If you're facing a lion or a bear right now, it means God is training you. It's an opportunity to find out where your strength comes from. It's an opportunity to lean into God and to rely on him and to pursue that promise that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's an opportunity to actually test what we say we believe when we face a battle it, it it goes from being theory to being practice because we actually have to do it a lot of us can quote scripture but do we use it do we engage it do we live it when we face a bear or a lion so i don't know what your lion or bear is that you might be facing today maybe it's low self esteem Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's bullying. Maybe it's a financial burden. Maybe it's a family situation. I don't know. Maybe it's a health issue. I think just about everybody in this room could say that they've got a battle going on of some kind. I don't know what your lion or your bear is, but I know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, that you can overcome, that you can overcome. Whatever it is, God is now training your hands for battle. He's training your arms for war. So don't run from the lion. Don't run from the bear. Pursue it, engage it, defeat it. Pursue it, engage it, defeat it. Because if you run from it, it's just going to circle back around and come back. So I don't know what it is, but I know that God can enable you to win that battle. There's no battle that's too big for him. There's no fight that's too big for God. He's training your hands for war. David said in Psalm 18:32, "It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect." He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. It is God, it is God who brings us the victory. David was a fighter and you're a fighter. Every son, every daughter of God is a fighter, God intends for us to enjoy victories. He intends for us to see answers to prayer. That's his intention for us. He doesn't just tell us to pray to keep us busy. He tells us to pray because he wants to see us see the victory. He wants to help us see the victory. That's why he tells us to pray. That's why he tells us to press in. That's why he tells us to stand on his word and to not give up but to persevere because we are designed for victory. We are designed to be overcomers. We are designed not to be walked all over by the enemy. We are designed to be sons and daughters, kings and priests in the kingdom of God. That's who we are. David slept with his sword next to him. That's what they did back then because they never knew when the enemy was going to come and invade. He slept with his sword right next to him. He knew where it was. He could grab it in his sleep. We need to keep our sword close to us. We need to keep the Word of God right next to us, ready, ready, ready for, ready for the next challenge, ready for the next battle, ready. You don't want to be faced with a lion or a bear and not know where you're sword is or not know where your club is so that you can beat it over the head here we go where did i put that i it's been a year since i picked it up i don't know where it is i left it somewhere we need to keep our sword sharp ready right by our side we need to know how to use what god has given us to defend ourselves against the enemy david was a fighter you're a fighter You're a fighter. God doesn't give us battles so that we can lose. That's not his heart for us. He wants us to win. He wants us to triumph. He wants us to enjoy victory with him because he's a good father. He's such a good father. 1 John 2.13 says, I write to you fathers. Any fathers in the house? Any mothers in the house? I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who was from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. So fathers and mothers need to fight battles to set an example for the next generation. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, you never stop fighting the battles. You never give up. One of the analogies that the Word of God uses is that we're soldiers. So that's a lifetime commission. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you never stop fighting battles. And I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. The fathers fight the battles to teach the young men how to overcome the evil one. And the fathers know him because they've had to rely on him. They've had to lean on him. They've had to press into him to overcome all the battles that they've had to face throughout their life. Has anyone ever had to rely on God to make it through a battle? Put your hand up if you've ever had to rely on God, if you've ever had to lean Put your head on his chest and say, Father, you've got to help me get through this. If you've ever knelt at his feet and said, I can't do this without you, that's how we get to know who God is. That's how we get to know. Our strength in Him is by relying on Him. That's why the fathers know Him. That's why people that have been in God for a long time, they know who their God is. They know who their rock is. They know where their strength comes from because they've been through the ups and downs of life. They've been through the battles. And if it wasn't for God, they wouldn't be here right now. So you that know Him, it's because you've had to rely on Him. It's because you've had to, it's, sometimes this has been you and him in that dark place, and you know him. And the young men, they're still learning how to overcome, but the fathers need to cheer on the young men and women of God and say, you can do this, I've done it, you can do it. I've overcome that, you can too. I've fought that battle and so can you. So we need... The older men and women, the fathers and the, the mothers and the younger men and women are still learning how to overcome, but don't give up. Don't give up. So, how do you overcome the evil one? How do you? It's all, it's all very fine for me to say, do it. How do we do it? Some well meaning Christians say, I oh, just ignore the devil. I just ignore the devil. I just don't give him the time of day. I don't want to give the devil any glory by acknowledging that he does anything. Well, that's nice, but it's not scriptural. Because it says in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And a lot of people just quote, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But that's useless, and yes, unless you do the first bit. Submit yourself to God. If you're not submitted to the authority of God, you have no authority to face the devil. You have no authority if you have not submitted your life first to God and say, "You're my captain, you're my lord." It's your way, not my way. And so therefore, I have the authority to stand up against the enemy because I've submitted my life to God. If you've stepped out from God's plan and purposes for your life on purpose, you have no authority to resist the enemy because you've, come, you've stepped out from under his covering. You've stepped out from under his authority. So submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's his job description. He lives to steal, to kill and to destroy because we're made in the image of God and he hates us with a passion. And you might say, well, I don't want to confront the devil because that's going to make me a target. That's going to get him angry at me. Well, you know what? You're already a target because you're made in the image of God and he hates you. So the only way you can get him off your back is to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Not to ignore him and go, oh, la, 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 the the devil doesn't exist. Oh, la, 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 la. I'm in a happy place, happy place. He does exist. And he has a plan to try and take you out. So you need to rise up and resist him. I need to rise up and resist him. So resist means to set oneself against. It means to actually get in somebody's face and steal yourself and say no. No further, this is where I'm drawing the line. Resistance, confrontation, that's what resist means. It means to withstand, to oppose, to oppose the enemy, to say no. Whatever God has placed under your care, it's up to you to protect. Some of us say, oh, God will look after me, God will look after my family, but he he says all authority I've given to you. I've given it to you. So when the enemy comes along and touches one of your lambs, you better go chase after him and grab him by the hair and say, no, I believe that's my lamb. I believe that's my lamb. I believe that's my confidence you're trying to steal, devil, and I'm taking it back. I believe that that is my self-esteem and I'm taking it back. I believe that that's my son, my daughter, my grandchild, my brother, my sister, and I'm taking it back. And you grab him by the hair and you beat him over the head and that's how we overcome the enemy. That's how we overcome the enemy. And we say, devil, we used to sing this song back in the 90s. I thought it was, I thought it was the 80s last service, but I was corrected. Back in the 90s when I was just this high, ha, <laughs> We used to sing this song called, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. I took back what he stole from me. That was back in the days when we didn't let the enemy push us around. We sang songs like, I'm coming for you, devil. We need to get our tenacity back. We need to get our spiritual warfare on and say, devil... Back in 2020, when you took my hope, I'm coming for it. I believe that belongs to me. Back when you took my passion, well, I'm coming for it because I believe that's my lamb. That belongs to me. That belongs to me. My zeal, that belongs to me. I'm getting it back. I'm getting it back. You're not having it. You're not having it. Back when you stole my trust away, when I was just a little kid, well, I'm coming back for it because that belongs to me. That belongs to me. My my security that you tried to steal from me, I'm coming for it because it belongs to me and it's not yours. That's how we outlast, outplay the enemy. We go after him. We resist him. We withstand him. We oppose him. <laughs> Gee, oh, that, that's where I got that from. Outlast, outplay, outwit. Outpray, yeah. I said that last service. The, the devil doesn't pray. <laughs> <sighs> Jesus didn't ignore the devil in the wilderness. He had an argument for every lie that the, enemy, that the enemy threw at him. He had a scripture for every accusation. He didn't just go, oh, the devil's, oh, the devil's here. I'm just going to ignore him. No, he resisted him. He, he, he grabbed his sword and he used it to oppose the enemy. Bill Johnson said recently, We pray enough to ease our conscience, but not enough to make a difference. We pray enough to ease our conscience, but not enough to really make a difference. Part of our spiritual warfare is prayer. A big part of our spiritual warfare is prayer. And we need to use that weapon like we're fighting a spiritual battle. Which we are, which we are. Do you remember back in Daniel chapter 10 when Daniel prayed and fasted for three weeks? And then the angel came and met him at the river after three weeks and he said, I have been fighting the prince of Persia. I was detained for 21 days but you kept praying, you kept fasting and now I'm here. God sent Michael to back me up and I made it. See, we forget about the spiritual battle that's going on while we're busy praying. We forget that there's war going on in heaven because God is unleashing an army of angels because we're on our knees doing spiritual warfare. And if we give up after, if we're in a three-week battle and we give up after two weeks, then what what is going to happen? What is the outcome going to be? Imagine if, you know, that angel is there fighting the prince of Persia. Daniel gave up after two weeks and went, well, nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. And the angel's up there going, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying because I'm in the middle of it here and I'm, I'm coming. I'm getting to you. I'm getting to you. So we don't fight flesh and blood but principalities and powers. So when we're praying, sometimes we're praying for days. Sometimes we're praying for weeks. Sometimes we're praying for months. And we think God's just sitting up there going, oh, I'll just let him pray for a bit longer. Oh, I'm just not going to answer them just yet. But no, there's a spiritual war going on. You know, if we're praying for our city to be saved, there's serious spiritual warfare going on associated with that prayer and we can't just give up if it's a 6 month battle after 3 months and go well it didn't happen it didn't happen but we don't know what's happening in the spiritual realm and we need to press in and press in and press through and be persistent and not give up we just sang that song walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall, that you've never failed me yet. Imagine if the Israelite army had given up on the fifth day. If they just said, well, that wall's huge. I can't see any cracks in that wall yet. What are we doing? What are we doing like a bunch of idiots walking around this wall for seven days? But they kept praying and they kept worshipping and they obeyed God and then the walls came down. So when we are faithful in prayer and we persist, the walls come down. Eventually, eventually, yeah? It's a spiritual battle. James 5, 16 Says the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man will accomplish much. Heartfelt, persistent, not giving up, persevering, pressing in. It will accomplish much. It will accomplish much. It will accomplish much. So we fast forward in David's life to when he's fifty years old. He's always been a warrior. God's always backed him up, given him amazing victories. We fast forward to 2 Samuel chapter 11 when David's about 50 years old. He goes, okay, I've hit the big 5-0 now. I'm a bit tired. Got a few war injuries. Might just stay home. Let the younger boys go and do the job. So he sends Joab off with the army, sits back at the palace, puts his feet up, kicks back, has a latte, sits out on the balcony, goes, yeah, the boys have got it, they don't need me, spots a beautiful girl who's about 30 years younger than him, summons her to the palace. See, David's complacency led to his compromise. When kings, it says in the springtime, everyone say, in the springtime, springtime. 2 Samuel chapter 11, at the time when kings go off to war, when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites, besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. When it's time to go to war... We can't stay home. I want to tell you today, when it's time to go to war, don't stay home. When it's time to fight, it's not time to sit back and put your feet up. And we've been through a winter time. We've been through a winter season recently, haven't we? I know it's autumn in the physical, but in the natural, we've been through a winter season with the whole COVID deal and everything. It's been a long, dark winter. And we've had a rest. That was the season of rest. I feel like now in the spiritual, it's springtime. It's time to wake up. It's time to rise up. We've had our rest and now it's time to go to war. It's time to go to war. It's not time to sit back home with our feet up and our latte on our couch. It's time to get up. It's springtime and the church needs to rise up and we need to go to war again and take back what belongs to us. We need to take what belongs to us. It's springtime. It's springtime. It's time to go to war. Look at your neighbour and say it's springtime. Don't stay home. Tell your neighbor, don't stay home. Don't stay home. Springtime. springtime. See, David's inviting Bathsheba to the palace was a misuse of his authority. God gave him authority and instead of protecting the vulnerable... He misused the vulnerable. God has given us authority, and we need to use it to protect the vulnerable, to protect our family, to protect our marriage, to protect our children, to protect those that can't protect themselves. That's what our authority is for. It's not for taking advantage of the vulnerable like David did. And the sad thing is that after that time, the first 20 years of David's reign was like this. He went from strength to strength to strength to strength. Then he sinned with Bathsheba. And yes, God forgave him. And yes, he repented. But after that, his family started to unravel. And the last 20 years of his reign looked like that. Because he compromised. He... He messed up and, he's, and the next generation lost faith in him. See, when we don't fight the battles that we're meant to fight for our generation, we let the next generation down. They lose respect for us because we need to fight for what matters. We need to show them what matters by what we fight for, what we stand for. The stand that we take will inspire the next generation to stand up. And if we don't do it, they will lose faith in us. because we see David's eldest son, Amnon, raped Tamar soon after that. She was just following her, He was just following his father's example. See a pretty woman, take her for your own. Do whatever you want with her. That's, he was following his father's example. We see Absalom, the pretty son, with the beautiful hair. Rebel against his father. Try and take his kingdom away because he lost respect for his king because his king messed up majorly. David, David's family went AWOL because he didn't go to war for them. He didn't fight for them and they went downhill. Complacency leads to compromise and consequences. If we don't fight for what matters, there's consequences. If we don't take a stand for what matters, there's consequences. I want to be like Paul, who said at the end of his life, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I've stuck it out. I fought for what mattered. I didn't let the team down. Anybody else want to be able to say that at the end of their life? Yeah. Be faithful and fight the good fight. That's what I want to encourage you to do today. Be faithful and fight the good fight. Fight for what's right, fight for what's true, fight for what's eternal, fight for what really matters, fight for faith, fight for the generations, fight for your sons and your daughters. Set an example for them, set an example for them in what matters. In the things that really matter in life.